We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Morning, everybody. We're going to start with a piece of scripture this morning. So Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and he said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Gospel of Mark, what a fantastic name Mark is. <laughs> For those that know me, I do like Christmas, but I like the reason behind it. I'm not particularly so fond of the festivities. That's why I like the Gospel of Mark, because he misses Christmas out completely. He just jumps straight to a full-grown Jesus and starts the story from that place. This story is interesting as well as it only appears in this Gospel. The other Gospels, for some reason, leave it out. Now, I've heard many people talk about this particular scripture. And very many Christians use it as a, not an excuse, but a sort of get-out-of-jail card when they pray for somebody and they don't see them healed. They say, oh, maybe we'll have to have another go. Jesus didn't do it every time the first time. But it's only the one instance we see in the Bible where it appears that it takes Jesus two attempts to see a man healed. Those that know about Jesus know that that sounds really bizarre. Because usually just one touch, one touch from him made all the difference. In fact, one woman was so desperate, she just went up herself and reached out and touched his clothes, fully expected to be healed. I'm a football fan. And one of the things that you'll hear a lot of fans talk about is one-touch football. Now, Tottenham is my team, and we're not particularly known for our one-touch football. In fact, I had to jump back to 2010 to find something reasonable enough to show on the screen this morning. But let's have a look at this. This was Daddy Rose's first game. And he scored a superb goal. I reckon it was an absolute fluke, but it is beautiful to watch, especially for the Arsenal fans in the room. Look at that. I think I even dropped my drink that day. I was so excited. So one touch from the king. Changes everything. I know it changed my mood that day, but typically when we come into contact with God at any moment in time, it changes us. We can't be the same. The very thing of just touching him, meeting with him, changes something internally. So think about it. This guy, he's been dragged there to this man Jesus, And he's probably heard lots of people talk about the fact that if Jesus touches you, you are going to be healed. And Jesus touches him, and he sort of opens his eyes. Can you imagine what it was like? He opened his eyes, probably fully expecting to see. And what he saw was not what he was expecting. 
I wonder if he thought to himself, Jesus, is your power running out by any chance? Because it's not quite right. You see, I'd have bet everything on the fact that if Jesus touches you, you were going to be healed. How does the story go? Well, some people brought a man. It was not the responsibility of the people bringing them to Jesus for them to heal him. They brought him to Jesus to be healed, full of expectation that that was going to be happen. That was going to happen. I like the phrase, some people. In other scripture that we see, we see that friends brought people to Jesus. This was just some people. Maybe they just came across him begging in the street and thought, do you know what, I see you every day. Let me take you to this bloke down the road. He'll lay hands upon you. You're going to be healed and away you go. So they're not even named. They're not even called friends. They're just called some people. If you're blind, you're vulnerable. You're at the mercy of the voices that are around you. So the people around, if they say the grass is blue, he takes it, they're telling him the truth and the grass is blue and the sky is green and elephants can fly. He's vulnerable. Why? Because he has got no vision. He cannot see. If I tell him, take 10 steps forward right from where you are now and you're going to receive a blessing, he might do that. Or take a sip of this wonderful drink. It's the next best thing. And it could be poison. Do you get my point? When you can't see, you're vulnerable. You're reliant upon those around you. It's interesting, isn't it? Even in your mother's womb, at 18 weeks, your hearing is fully developed. You can hear what's going on. You can hear voices around you. You can hear people talking. You're vulnerable. You're on your own. And many of us now may have had negative words spoken over us, even when we're in the womb, that you're worthless. You're a mistake. How did I get myself into this situation? I wish I'd never given birth to you. Harsh words spoken in a moment that can be picked up right from that place of being in the womb. But you see, he set us free from all those things. He has declared that we are a new creation. We're set apart. We're chosen. So the story goes, Jesus didn't heal him in the village. What did he do? He took him by the hand and he led him. It's a demonstration of faith that as we choose to be led by what God is saying, he starts to restore those negative things to say you have a worth, you are highly prized, you are wanted, you are loved, you are chosen. And as we strive forward with him, being led with him, he brings us to a place of restoration. He takes us out of the circumstance that we were in. And for some people, their village is the mindset. For some people, their village is the actual physical place. We learn to trust him as he leads us. We learn to listen to our father's voice. And we can choose to cut off the voices of the past and recognize the stuff that he's bringing to us is absolute truth. Our Father speaks truth. Our Father speaks truth. And ultimately, it's him that gives life. Yeah? The two people that helped create us are one part of it. But without God, there is no life. He spoke you into being. So what anybody says about you doesn't really matter. It's what your Father in heaven says about you. 
So he didn't touch the man's eyes. Took him by the hand, he led him out of the village. He wanted to get him out of his current environment, out of that place, potentially, of negativity. You see, whatever you surround yourself with will affect your vision. The people you surround yourself with affect your vision, affect the way that you think, affect the way that you are, can make abnormal things become normal just because, oh, that's the way it's always been. That's my experience of that. And you see, Jesus knew that if he healed the man right there and then, and he had his full sight restored, how quickly would his eyesight have become corrupted again because of the circumstance he was currently living in? It's interesting being a parent when your kids particularly find a book that they really enjoy. Because it seems, I remember going through it with a number of my children, they find a book that they like, and every single night, they want to read the same book. And they're excited about it. For the first two or three nights, you've got all the enthusiasm there. And you get into character, and you read the book, and you think, oh, thank goodness for that. The book is finished. Put it back on the shelf. They've got 50 books to choose from. And yet, lo and behold, the next night, you say, what book would you like to read? Can we have that one? The one we had yesterday. And suddenly, it becomes a real chore. It can be full of negativity. And eventually, your attitude towards the way that you do what you do can rub off on the young child. And a book that they love becomes something that they think, oh, it's rubbish. Why? Because they've picked up on your negativity. They've picked up on the way that you do stuff. And for most parents, they know that repetitiveness goes as part and parcel of it. You see, we're so used to listening to the voices in our village. They have a massive influence over us. They tell us what to think about this person and that person and this situation and that situation. And suddenly, it rubs up on you and you suddenly own it for yourself. So why did Jesus want to get this man out of that particular city? Well, did you know that Jesus didn't like particular cities? I'd never really seen it before. Whoa! on unrepentant towns. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most, listen to that, most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloths and ashes. Where had this man been taken from? He'd been taken out of Bethsaida. Jesus is saying to the town, woe to you. Why? Because it was a town full of unbelief. It's interesting, isn't it? We so crave miracles sometimes in the thought that, do you know what? If my friend sees a miracle, they're definitely going to believe. It says it there in scripture that most of the miracles took place there and they still didn't see and they still didn't believe. We have to stop trying to convince people into salvation. We can't do it. No amount of convincing, no amount of haranguing is going to make the slightest bit of difference. Because why? Because God draws us to himself. We can go searching, but he even puts that seed, I believe, of searching into us to come find him. Stop convincing. Stop trying to convince. However, if you were ill, if you were suffering, would you say, spit all over me, if the son of God? You see, spit to us, in our society, is a fairly disgusting thing. But he spat right in both eyes. 
And in the times of Jesus, spit was thought to have some level of medicinal purpose. Jesus could have used anything. He could have just spoken the word and the guy could have been healed. But Jesus did something really amazing that day because I believe he came down to the guy's level of understanding of what he could process in his mind. He goes, do you know what? I'm going to meet you right where you're at. And for many people in this room, Jesus has met us at some point or other right where we're at. He's not said, you've got to come up here. You've got to achieve this. You've got to do that before I can meet with you. Nope. He went right down to the guy's level because that's what the guy would have understood. Jesus basically said, if you see that the spit is going to heal you, then so be it. But I am the one. I am the one that's going to bring that healing. So Jesus loves to meet us right where we're at. See, there's many people, even sitting in this room, that have been Christians for many years. And you know scripture, but you don't know spit. You know all the music songs and the worship tracks, but you don't know spit. You pray, your prayer life's fantastic, but you don't know spit. You see, I think spit is a starting place into truth for some people. Where do we have to go? We have to meet people where they're at. There's no requirement to come into the kingdom, is there? We're all worthless sinners. And he came and he found us and he brought us out and he led us. And as he's led us, he's changed us. He's changed our mindsets. He's changed our thinking and stuff. For the visitors in the room this morning, welcome. It's not usually about spit. But I don't really mind if you didn't like the music or the worship or you didn't like the preacher this morning. But I hope you were welcomed. I hope you were welcomed when you arrived. Because that's what it's about. It's about welcoming people. It's our starting point. For some people this morning, this might be the first time you've ever been here. This might be the first time you've ever heard about this man Jesus that spits on people. This is the starting point for you. So I want to encourage us as a church to look out for one another. Maybe start to look out for those that you would choose to typically walk on by and meet them where they're at. And now you'll always think of spit very, very differently. Back to the story. You see, typically, this is what we expected to happen. This is what the man expected to happen. We expected, I'm healed! Hallelujah! Jesus has set me free! I'm healed! I can see! That's what we expect in the story. But that's not how this particular story pans out. The strangest thing happens at this point because Jesus says to him, do you see anything? Now, I have scanned through the Bible pretty quickly, but I've scanned through to find out any other miracle that Jesus performed when he checked that it had worked. There isn't one. This is the one. And you pretty much know that if Jesus is asking you a question, he already knows the answer. He knows everything. So the very fact he's asking the guy a question is something for the guy to engage with. Do you see anything? And what does the guy say? I see people. They look like trees walking around. The very thing that Jesus knew that the guy couldn't see at that point. He knew he was seeing blurriness. And yet he's still asking the question, what do you see? And you see, I've just been wondering if Jesus was basically waiting for the guy to say, be open and honest enough to say, I don't see it fully. I see more than I did before, but I've not got the full picture. I have not got 4K TV. I've got old, big, fat TV with blurry pictures. Jesus was just there with the guy. What do you see? I see people. They look like trees walking about. What was in that spit? You see, we can get carried along and have an expectation 
that when Jesus comes and touches us, it's all going to be sorted in a moment. It's all going to go from doom and gloom to 4K in a second. And that's not always the case. But are we open enough? Are we honest enough to communicate? Do you know what? I've moved my position from where I was, but I'm not fully there yet. I don't fully see it yet. I'm in that transition. It's a bit blurry. People don't like to admit it's blurry. One of my favorite stories as a child was The Emperor's New Clothes. I love that story because the little kid's got all these pompous people around him. And he goes, the king is naked. At which point, everybody said, we know that. But why didn't you say so in the first place? It's okay not to have 4K kingdom vision. It's okay for it to be blurry. It's okay for stuff to be still working its way out. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's just be honest with ourselves and those around us. It's crazy, isn't it? Because this comes just after the disciples have been in a boat with Jesus and they're having a little bit of a turmoil amongst themselves because they had one loaf of bread. And they were thinking, is this bread enough? Is this bread enough? They'd just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people. They'd also seen him feed 4,000 people. So let's imagine being Jesus on that boat. He's there with the disciples. They've got one loaf of bread and they're murmuring about themselves. No, that's probably not going to be enough food. I'm feeling quite peckish today. Do we have enough bread? They hadn't quite seen 4K vision yet. They were still on that journey. Jesus was going, how many people are in the boat? 13 of us. We've got one loaf. How many did he feed with the others? 5,000, 4,000. With relatively little. And they were still doubting. They hadn't quite got that full clarity yet. What do you see? I see people. They look like trees walking about. Is every area of your life currently running in 4K? Or are there fair a number of challenges and situations where you need a bit more focus, you need to squint a little harder, you need to try harder? No, we need to press into him. The more we press into our Father in heaven, the more fine-tuning I believe he gives to our eyesight and our spiritual eyesight for us to see situations differently. So, second point for the day. Blurry, I think, is sometimes a blessing. When God doesn't bring full clarity, there's a stuff that you are seeking him for it's time to press into him. Yes, yeah, press into him. As we press into him, as we share those things with those around us and we talk things through, I believe our faith level goes up and we start to see. Yeah? Together we have the mind of Christ. Yeah? Not in isolation. Together. Talk stuff through with people. They'll bring a completely different viewpoint to it and suddenly you might think, whoa, I've never quite seen it like that before. And suddenly your eyesight starts to improve. I see people, they look like trees, walking around. I see people, they look like trees, walking around. Is that your confession this morning? I see people, they look like trees. I see this situation and it doesn't look like anything I can understand or comprehend. Jesus, I need you. I need your clarity. I need that touch again, which is going to bring us out of the blur and out of the haze and into 4K. 
second touch. So the first time Jesus spat in his eyes, the second time he touched his eyes. And he could see. See, so you have to go back to his chair. interesting though isn't it when you process what the man said it makes you think slightly differently because the guy was apparently blind so with that in mind read those words again because it made me scratch my head to say hold on a second he was blind how on earth would he know what a tree looks like Because he wasn't blind from birth. He couldn't have been. So, he'd been born with clear vision. Somehow through his lifespan, he lost his vision. So Jesus didn't actually heal him from blindness. He just restored this man's sight. So the man had gone from sight to blind to blurry and then from blurry back to sight and we see this thing time and time again if I wizard all the way back to Adam and Eve right there in the beginning they were born with perfect sight and then sin entered into the world and they were blinded as they moved on through life became blurry and the generation after generation after them the world was a blurry place waiting on the promise of a redeemer Noah saved the animals and the people Moses freed the people but do you know what the bit I love about Christmas that at a moment in history our saviour was born keeps coming up is hope I believe God wants to restore hope where you've lost it thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church we hope this message has been an encouragement to you we are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities, and our nation. 
We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk, or Twitter at lifelineuk.